golf tournament on his own birthday with a uh, lot of former players out here, which is really cool. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, we got you for the next three hours. And the big talking point today, well, there's two. OU can't state tomorrow. What does success look like? And how bad, really, is Alabama going to curb stomp the University of Texas? Let's start with uh, OU and Kent State tomorrow. OU is like a 33-and-a-half-point favorite. And just like anything else, text line 405-651-3439, help us out with this. Uh, let's start there, man, is what does success look like for OU tomorrow as nearly a five-touchdown favorites in Game 2? Yeah, I think uh... – Personally, for me, it goes back to covering, and I know I talk a lot about covering. It's not because, again, I'm a gambling degenerate um, by any stretch of the imagination. He's uh, one of us. You know, I mean, <laughs> not, not, not publicly at least. Um, but it's because the national guys, you know, the, the media, the, they can say what they want. The sharps, the smart people are in Vegas. And if we can do better than what the smart people think we can do, then – uh, I think that looks like success, but we we saw it. We saw consistency on the defensive end. I'd like to see offensive line cleaned up a little bit. One thing I'd really like to see cleaned up: penalties. Yeah, well, can't that, beat yourself. That's that's the biggest one for me. And I'm not like I don't think tomorrow they're going to have one penalty for five yards. I, there's still going to be maybe an instance or two where you say, "Yeah, got to get that cleaned up." We, I mean, we got to remember when we say, "What does success look like tomorrow?" Well, success looks like you're a 33-and-a-half-point favorite over a team like Kent State, right? right? And that's what the final score should indicate. But I'm not even going into tomorrow saying, like, I expect this team to look perfect. I think that that is a little bit unrealistic with so many new faces game two of the season. I expect them to look better. I expect them to look really good. But do I, do I expect them to have one penalty for five yards? Do I expect them to run it for 450 yards? Not necessarily. But there can be improvement tomorrow, and it can still be really, really good. And the number one overall position group, and I'm sure the text line is going to say the same thing. For me, Travis, it's about the offensive line. Give me a clean pocket. Give me uh, running holes offensively and play that clean football game that you're talking about. That offensive line plays well tomorrow. They'll score as many points as they want to. It won't be an issue. Yeah, and I think when it comes down to penalties specifically, I, I think you can you can have some penalties that are just because you're being aggressive. You know, sometimes, like we, like we talk about it with interceptions. So if you throw a lot of interceptions or have a lot of, you know, turnovers in basketball, it's because you're taking chances, because you're being aggressive. A lot of those penalties, um, like your defensive pass interference, it, sometimes it's because you're being physical, and sometimes you, you, you don't quite get away with it. But – it's really the procedural penalties, the pre-snap, false starts, things like that. That those are the ones that that need to be fixed. I, I won't fault a guy uh, for for just being physical and getting getting a flag on it. Uh, but when it comes to procedural penalties, that's really what I want. To I think everyone can do better tomorrow, from the team even to the fans. And I was not one this week. I was never one this week to say shame on you, right. fans. Shame on you for leaving at halftime or the end of the third quarter. Hey, I sat out there, too. It was blistering hot. I mean, we all felt it. I will never fault a paying customer because they ain't cheap. It ain't cheap to go to an OU football game. It ain't cheap to be a season ticket holder. I'll never fault anyone that pays for tickets if they want to leave when they want to leave. And, again, it was 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. It wasn't exactly Alabama in town, and it was a three-point game in the second half. But with that being said, 
I understand the circumstances of last Saturday because I felt it too. Those same circumstances will not exist in this game against Kent State with a 6 p.m. kickoff. The team can be better. Um, my hope is that, yeah, the, the fan the fan staying for deeper into the game will be a little bit better as well with the cooler temperature. And I, I, I think it will be. I think it probably will be. Yeah, I think uh, last week you had a lot of deterrence, right? You had Labor Day. Uh, don't I mean had a holiday weekend, the last big lake holiday weekend. Uh, uh, you've got a lot of people that typically get OU games that happen to be lake folks as well. So uh, you know that's that's one thing. The heat was out of control, no doubt. And we were on pace after 15 offensive plays to win that game, 130 to nothing. So um, you know all those things kind of lent themselves to that. And you're sitting over there, especially on that east side, Tyler. It was roasting people. I mean, people were lined up. Uh, you know, into the medical tents, everything like that. I I don't think that's what, you know, we're talking about when it comes to what this Saturday and what tomorrow is going to look like. I think you're going to have shade nearly immediately, and it's going to be a little hot when you get there, but just just hold on. Um, we've got, obviously, some big-time recruits in. Yeah. Um, you know, not obviously the official visitor, Jordan Raynaud, defensive lineman, big-time defensive lineman that we need to close out. We're battling Bama for his services. Um, but, of course, one Peyton Bowen. Um, Peyton Bowen, obviously Jackson Arnold's going to be in town, Caden Green. Um, Heath Ozide is going to be coming in. I just saw his mom uh, uh, message about that. So uh, going to be a lot of folks in that, man, it would it would be awesome to have a lively environment uh, like the environment was at kickoff. I mean, the way we talk about, you know, the, the UTEP game and the way a lot of people were on social media taking photos is a lot of the photos were taken. If you see the band on the field, that means it's halftime. You know when people leave their seats during a, a, a sweltering hot game? Halftime. Because at kickoff, that place was rocking. When they introduced Brent Venables for the first time, my goodness. I mean, it was shaking. It was awesome. Yeah, and even the – they want to make that walk of champions a really big deal. And for the first time – well, not the first time that they've ever done it, but it seems like the first time that they've really, like, pushed it and really emphasized it and wanted it to be a big thing, there was an incredible turnout for that last week. And I think that they're doing it around – what is it, 345 maybe tomorrow. Um, but, that, yeah, I mean, that was that was a great turnout for that. Apparently – um, some recruits thought that that was the most amazing thing ever when those buses pulled up and there were all those people on what would that be the southeast corner of the stadium over there by Headington Hall. So yeah, I, I, I think the crowd will be. I'm not worried about the crowd for the rest of the year. And it'll, it'll it'll be there. And I'll say on, on that on that walk of champions, I self expression. How you want to dress? Awesome, go for it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not one to make fun of uh, the way football players want to dress or anything like that. But there's just something about seeing all those guys step off in their tailored suits that, oh, man, they they were ready for business yeah. uh, stepping off. And that, that was a good look. Uh, from the 405, I want to cover, no injuries, don't give up a bunch of big plays. That last one is interesting because OU didn't give up any big plays to last let week. anything get behind them. They Nothing didn't even attempt anything deep. Now, on the flip side of that, there was some, not all, there was some complaints of, golly, man, we got to cover that underneath the route. Too easy letting them get five or six yards, whatever they want to in the pass game. Can OU do better with the underneath coverage this week? Sure. But I think you got to look at the positive side of that is in game one of this new era, and no, UTEP's not the best offense that you're going to face this year, but they had a very capable quarterback. 
you did not give up any big plays whatsoever. And big plays come in more ways than just one. We're, we know that, right? Big plays come in the passing game, down the field, receivers getting behind the defense. Big plays can happen with receivers getting in space, yards after catch. Big plays can come in the running game, and none of that happened on Saturday. This offense that you'll face tomorrow in Kent State, again, it is not one of the best three or four offenses that you're probably going to see this year. But it is more capable than UTEP is. It is more big play oriented. It's way more fast than what UTEP is. If we go back-to-back weeks and considering the opponent, if OU goes back-to-back weeks without giving up any sort of big plays whatsoever, I'll feel pretty good about Nebraska not having very many big plays either in Lincoln. Yeah, and keep this in mind, that was probably the most vanilla defense Brent Venables has ran in the last decade. I mean, you didn't see it. I mean, a lot of people, where were these exotic blitzes we talked about? Where's this, that, and the other? Well, that's not what you're going to do against UTEP. And that's not what you're going to do against Kent State. So I I do think there's a possibility that Kent State scores a little bit here because I think Brent would rather look at this and say, you know what, I'd I'd rather keep my cards hidden for better opponents down the road as opposed to showing all these different looks to be put on film um, and, and really just stick with the base defense. I think we ended with something like 2.3 or 2.6 yards after uh, the catch, uh, which is fantastic. Billy Bowman was in the back pocket yeah. of those guys that were catching those underneath routes, and they were popping pads. I want to see the D get a shutout in 50-plus on offense, says the 918. Dang. Me too. I mean, me too. High standards. Look, um, Kent State's got a dude at wide receiver, just to let everyone know. Dante Cephas, he's probably the best player that they have. I think that he'll probably be playing on Sundays here in a couple of years. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's a first-round pick or anything like that, but he is he's very capable – and it's going to be a tough matchup for these corners tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see how OU matches up with him. But Kent State is going to want to go really, really fast, really fast. That's what they do. That's really kind of all they know how to do. Whereas UTEP really wanted it to slow down last week, and they controlled the time of possession. I don't think Kent State is going to be overly concerned, for the most part, with time of possession. They want to run, run, run with OU. And that's fine. They could potentially have some success with that. But if you get down early and you're trying to go fast and you have back-to-back three and outs and you're throwing your defense out there with an offense that already goes fast OU, it could really – it could roll up on Kitt State here early on in the game tomorrow. You know, I, I'm not – you know, I, what I'm saying is there's a potential for another 21 nothing start in this football game with the way that Kent State plays. Right, and keep in mind, if you think back to the first couple plays of last week, I mean, first play of the game, we go deep. You know, and, you know, there's there's pressure in, in Gabriel's face, uh, which causes him to slightly underthrow the ball. But, I mean, Levy had no problem pulling up and saying, all right, we're, 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 we're going for the big play right out of the gate. Uh, there's none of this, okay, let's get warmed up to it, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to go fast. And here's the thing, with Kent State, good Lord, that schedule. I mean, how fast do you want to go and put your defense out on the field? They've still got to go to Georgia. Yep, two weeks. I mean, they're going to, once MAC play opens, I mean, they're going to be coming off, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Georgia, and then obviously to a lesser degree, Washington. But 
That's tough. I mean, your defense is going to be run ragged by the time that's over. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself, says Brooke. I want to win and cover, but stay vanilla. There's no need to get fancy. I wouldn't hate a shutout. 918 Rod says, get Javante Barnes in the game yes. sooner yes. and more often. We shouldn't have to throw more than 15 passes to win this game big. I'm hoping we can just line up and overwhelm their D-line. Run, run, run. This text says that could also go the other way, which I'm meaning, I, I guess that means that Kent State's OU's defense could be in a really tough situation. But like OU's offense, like Kent State's not going to shut down OU's offense tomorrow. I mean, there's there some things that can happen it. in this game. I don't see it. Kent State's defense shutting down OU's offense. I don't know if that's a very realistical situation. Realistical. I like it. I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Uh, 405-651-3439, by the way, is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We are at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. It's Bob Stoops' birthday today. We are hoping that he can swing by after his round of 18. Maybe after he makes the turn uh, after hole nine, he'll come in here and join us. Yeah. But then he'll just jam up uh, everyone else on the uh, back nine, though, if well, he I mean, comes in and hangs out with us for 10 to 15 what, minutes. But who's not going to let what Bob are you play tell through? Him? What are you going to tell him? If Coach says, let me play through, I'm going to guess his own birthday. It's his, it's his birthday and his own golf tournament. I mean, if he wants to sit down and be on the radio, what are they going to say? Bob, geez, that, that Bob guy. Jeez, what do you think? It's his birthday or something? Yeah. All right. Um, we're talking OU Kent State. We're talking Texas, Alabama. We're talking college football today. You know what we do? Keep it locked on the ref. It's a football Friday right here on the Home of Cedar Fans. You know, I love text on the Air Cover Solutions text line. They just get right to the point, and you can tell, like, what their expectations are for the game based on one single sentence. Mike from Tulsa just says, I want to see some general booty versus Kent State, which – if we see general booty against Kent State, that means uh, the score is very lopsided and OU's got an easy cover. And text line, don't say, well, what about injuries? We don't we're talking about injuries, all right? I'm not talking about injuries on this show. I'm talking about general booty getting in the game on Saturday. And if that happens, my God, it's going to be a lopsided score. But this might be our last chance for a while to see general booty in the football game. Yeah, I mean, in a football I, game. I think all of us are uh, ready for the booty call. There's no doubt. But, you know... It, to your point, it means the game has gone really well if we've seen him. We're probably on our third quarterback at that point, and they're they're just clearing the benches. But, yeah, I'd like to see it as well. Do you think we have a bigger advantage against Kent State's up-tempo offense than UTEP's slow-paced offense since the defense sees a lot of up-tempo in practice? Um. Yeah, I, like, I mean, it is a good point, like, Kent State goes fast. Talked about that last segment. Now, as fast as they go, are we worried about OU losing the game tomorrow? No. But is OU in better shape than maybe most teams against this offense because they saw that so much throughout training camp? I could buy into that. I, I still think it's going to be or potentially be tough at times for this defense when Kent State really wants to go quick. But I think it's much more manageable when you can – replicate that look and that feel in practice. Like I've been saying this all offseason. Nebraska can't replicate the offense that they're going to see against OU next week in terms of up-tempo and how fast they are. They can't do it. Um, OU can replicate the looks against Kent State this weekend because their offense goes so fast. So I could see it as an advantage. Yeah, I, I think it's 
I think it would be such a slight advantage that it, it's still you still have better athletes, better coaches. You're not, like it, it shouldn't make a difference, really. Whatever they try and do, we should be able to shut it down. Now, Tyler, I want to get your thoughts on this. When it comes to that kind of seeing it in practice type situation, iron sharpening, all this, like you, you know where I kind of lost a little bit of that was when we had the country's best offense practicing on the same field as the country's worst defense, yeah. probably. If you yeah. back, like, like early on it was like, what must these practices look like? If, you know, what the iron sharpening iron type situation, man, they, they're not going to see a better offense than the one that they face in practice every day. And then that they didn't go matter out there much and, in 2017 no, or No, it didn't at all. It, it really did. It didn't at all. That's, that's, so that, that's, that's funny. It kind of got lost on me a little bit back in those days, but I totally understand the sentiment. Uh, we've got this texture from the 405. Um, says their phone is about to die. First of all, you need to, it's 3.30 on a Friday. You got you got to handle your uh, battery better than that. But he wants a Javante Barnes in the announcer voice before his uh, his phone dies. Five-yard run by Javante Barnes. First down, Sooners. Is well, that they, good? Yeah, I think that was great. Maybe their phone died right in the middle of that. I yeah. don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. It did not matter much in 2017 or 2018. I guess my point is, is just they at least get to see that look. Right. They at least get to know what that speed is going to look like. I, I, I'm not worried about Nebraska because I don't care about Nebraska. I'm just really going to be paying attention to that first ten minutes of the game next weekend in Lincoln because Nebraska can't replicate that. And I think there's, there's a real chance that OU can roll up things pretty quick if Nebraska can't punch back in the early portion of the game. We'll, we'll talk about that game all next week. I just think that OU's in a – better situation defensively than, than most people. Um, you know, there, there's one guy that we've talked about a lot this week, I mostly because of me, because I keep bringing him up. But how can I not? It was an amazing moment from Saturday when Gavin Freeman's first touch, he took it in for a touchdown. But now the next step is I think he's going to be – he's definitely going to be involved in the offense. I guess I'm questioning how much more involved in the offense he's going to be. Am I falling into the trap of – what we do every single spring game. Understand that this wasn't a spring game, but you'll get where I'm coming or from. Or a bowl here. game. Yeah. We do he that had, bowl game. He had one great play, and granted, it was a great play. And I'm sitting here like, he's going to be more involved in the offense. I don't think he's going to get 10 catches a game or be the number one or number two receiver. But am I getting too ahead of myself after just that one play, thinking that Saturday I'm going to see a lot more of Gavin Freeman? No, I think I think they still want to see what they've got in him. I think they'll put him in a couple different looks. I'm not sure if you're going to see a big reverse or anything like that, but I think they want to see, you know, what they've got in him. I mean, Brent Venables went on, a, a, you know, a long, long answer about him, and I'll tell you what, you pair anybody apparently out there with uh, um, with Braden Willis blocking, and things are going <laughs> yeah, to go well. No kidding, that man. guy, no what kidding. a game that he had. Yeah. I mean, he, was, he's, he may have been the best player on the field. From from start to finish, man, from pregame stretches to the postgame uh, ball handoff from Joe C. I mean, Braden, Braden was showing out. Uh, text line, Gavin Freeman touchdown on his second career uh, touch. Keep the streak alive. Hey. Now, I, I've been trying to – dial it back a little bit this week and not go just full like crazy on what he's gonna if he scores a touchdown on his next touch i don't know if i'm gonna be able to contain myself travis uh i know there I will. may be some wild takes being thrown it being thrown out on twitter just saying there have been happens. you know he's 
he's the tenth. He, he, he's the tenth Sooner. What, what about Nebraska talk? Oh, she's a Nebraska fan. Uh oh. So oh, we were no. talking that that about Nebraska. Are we trying to get sunburnt to match the, your colors? <laughs> yeah. We. Uh, I did not expect to be invaded by Nebraska fans here at Jimmy Austin. Yeah. Club. Yeah. They get, they got to screen people in here better. Bob hanging out with a bunch of Huskers. I. Uh, I'm glad that she's getting her uh, go Husker chance in. Don't really know if there's going to be a whole lot of those coming up eight days in. Uh, in no. Lincoln. Just, well, just and, and on Gavin Freeman, on the on, if he if he goes two in a row, I know he was the tenth Sooner of all time to score on his first career carry. I'm not sure how many of those other nine did it on their second career carry, too. He might be even more rarefied air than that. you got to give it to him from the one-yard line just to preserve the streak. Got you know? to. You've got to. Just keep, just keep handing it to him. Uh, which quarterback runs scout team for OU? That's from Jim in Arlington. So interesting that you <laughs> ask that because in the latest episode of the uh, OU DNA, is that what it's called on ESPN Plus? Mm-hmm. I watched it last night, and it looked like Britt Venables was running the scout team quarterback position. Yep. Now, they weren't, like, tackling him to the ground or anything like that, but he's back there working his feet in the pocket and moving around and throwing it. Like, he called himself Jimmy Greenbeans while uh, playing on the scout team at Clemson. I think Jimmy Greenbeans is your scout team quarterback at OU. He so is. I think it is. He is. Uh, that's That's been a discussion uh, I've had with uh, a couple of the players there. I say, yep, old, uh, old coaches out there being scout team uh, quarterback. That's That's got to be interesting. I, I mean, going against the scout team defense and you're the scout team quarterback, I uh, I would be very interested to see how that relationship worked. It looked fine in the OU DNA episode last night, but, you know, I, I'm – sure that they're told not to air certain things if certain certain things don't always yeah i'm sure i'm I'm sure that's got to be uh that's got to be edited a little bit every time you you know in all seriousness watching that last night and the the clip of it on social media happened on saturday uh brett venable saying game ball goes to brett venables and you know the whole locker room going crazy (laughs) and brent gets the, the game ball from his first win and he's talking to the team. And, and we've all seen this clip. I know I'm, I'm rehashing something that's five days old, but there's, there's another point to that. They showed it last night on the OU DNA episode, and I'm just sitting there, you know, and he's, he's trying to talk to the team, and he gets choked up. And he's, like, trying to hold back crying while giving his speech to the team. I'm like, man, that's what you want right there. That, that's who you want being the head coach of this place that he gets a game ball after beating UTEP for game one, and he's trying to, like, hold back the tears. It's like speaking to the team. Now, and, and in no way do I think that that was, like, some sort of an act. We all know that that was a genuine reaction from Brent Venables. But you talk about something that plays well with the team that's sitting there right in front of him. Like, he shows every day how much he cares, but then he really shows how much he cares and loves this job in that moment. I don't know. He's willing to be vulnerable. Yeah, I don't know if there were any – recruits in the locker room during that but there are probably few things more relatable or more exciting i guess to a potential recruit than a moment like that that was that was something that i really took away from that moment like yeah we all know that he wants to be here but the dude basically having to fight back tears to show how much he loves his job that is what you hoped you were getting with this new hire and that's that's what you got yeah and that actually joel clapp brought that up as well that turncoat um brought it up uh he said he saw him get emotional after the game, you know, all that. I'm like, man, Joel really uh, dug in because that was, I mean, that was on Twitter. It wasn't, wasn't part of the uh, coverage. wasn't just 
he wasn't just watching the game and that came up. So he was doing a little bit of digging. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, it shows that he's willing to be vulnerable. Uh, and I think that matters. Uh, I think that matters a lot. And, yeah, recruits, so got to show him that one. Someone from the 580 throwing jabs. Nebraska fan, the world needs uh, ditch diggers too. Wow. Well, I, Dang. Maybe, maybe All she's, right. Maybe, I mean, to be fair, maybe she's uh, causing some divots out Man. here. She's, she's d- digging ditches with her uh, nine iron. Text line being violent already today. I got to say, I uh, I don't hate it. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take another T.O. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. It is the Friday. It actually is the Friday rush. Yeah. This time We're around. back. Friday We're rush. Back before Texas. Friday rush today. And I think the Friday rush is going to be back in Omaha a week from today, because we'll be doing the show in Omaha, Nebraska, at the session room, which is just by the ballpark. So if you're heading up to uh, for the Nebraska weekend, coming up next weekend, come hang out with us on Friday. We'll be there from noon to 6, because Parker will get us started off. We'll be there from noon to 6 at the session room, be talking OU Nebraska, and then, of course, we'll be in Lincoln on Saturday as well for pre- and post-game coverage. We'll let you know exactly where we're going to be outside the stadium when we get that nailed down, but uh, that's going to be... An awesome trip, a whole lot of fun. But first off, you got to handle business this weekend against Kent State. And uh, spoiler alert from everyone, I don't know how much drama is going to be around in this football game tomorrow. Other than the uh, the new LED lights, I am interested to see what the reaction from that is going to be. You know, I, I've been going to football games here. My first game was in 1996. So I've been to a lot of night games in that stadium. And you get used to a certain, I guess, kind of, you know, brightness from those lights. These lights are brighter, I think, than anything they've ever had in that stadium. So I wonder, like, if that's going to be an adjustment from the fans. Like, oh, my God, this place is, like, way more lit up than I've ever seen it before. Uh, Well, only one way to find out. We're going to find out tomorrow night. Yeah. Second half? Yeah, for sure. 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Football Friday rolls on next on The Ref. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club is where the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, we're hanging out today. It's Bob Stoops' birthday. He's got his own golf tournament out here with a lot of former players, which is really, really cool. We're celebrating that. Hoping to have Bob on at the uh, tail end of the show, depending on when he finishes his 18 holes. Hopefully we can get uh, Bob on the air. Uh, Just on the eve of game number two of the Brent Venables era against Kent State. We've got our attention on that game, sure, but there's some other games across the country that we're definitely keeping our eyes on. And, yes, we're all rooting for the Stanford Cardinal tomorrow as they take on USC in prime time, 6.30 on ABC. I do think that this game is an interesting spot for USC because they've got a lot of hype nationally, and I think most would say that the program has a lot of momentum right now, more momentum than they've had in a while. But at the same time, the recruiting's been okay, but they haven't dominated like everyone thought that they were going to. Just inside the top 15, and they lost a four-star defensive prospect this week. You couple that with all of the rumors that Malachi Nelson, their five-star quarterback, and Zach Branch, their five-star wide receiver, could flip to A&M at any moment. USC might, they might have some momentum right now. But if Lincoln Riley loses game two, and he loses his first Pac-12 game, I wonder if this could kind of start 
USC really starting to go downhill, not only on the field, but potentially in recruiting as well. Right. I mean, because that's what that's what people want to see. They want to see, okay, can you build up USC to be what it is? And And the thing is, the national narratives can work against you. What did we hear about Oklahoma? Well, they lost 40% of their roster. They lost their coach. They lost the quarterback. They lost basically everybody. They're going to be a bunch of bums out there. Oh, okay. Well, they can that we can prove that on the field and turn it around, turn the national narrative around. If the national narrative is continues to be what it has been around USC, which is genius coach goes out there 55 and 10, proven commodity, brings the best quarterback in America with him, this that and the other, and they drop one, then you're victim to that narrative. And all of a sudden it starts working against you really hard. So, and they're an eight-point favorite, and most people think that they're going to, you know, go up to Palo Alto and win easily. I'm just not so convinced that's going to be the case, man. Yeah, I got Stanford at uh, nine and a half. Were you? Oh, wow, that's a nice line. Uh, I know. Yeah. Were yeah. you talking to Pat Fields last weekend, and uh, did he sound kind of confident Pat, about the matchup? Pat Fields texts me out of the blue. Wow, okay. Out of the blue, texts me, and he's like, "Hey, man, look, feeling a little confident." You know, he was watching watching the game, whatnot. He's like, you know, made some miscues here and there. I mean, I, he wasn't calling a shot. He wasn't uh, he wasn't giving me any inside information or anything. But you know, he's it's it, it definitely he he doesn't often text me about uh, Stanford's uh, Stanford's matchups uh, going into the next week. But he, he he reached out to me about this one. So yeah, I, I just think I think we're gonna learn as if we didn't already know. Rice is really bad. Well, and like really something bad. happened, three things happened in that game that USC is not going to be able to count on this weekend or for the rest of the year, and that's three pick sixes. Right. And that's great that they got it in week one. Okay, that's cool. It happened against Rice. It ain't going to happen against Stanford or Oregon State or Utah or any other. Like, USC will not get three interception retouch, uh, return right. for touchdowns. That's safe money right I mean, that's there. Not, and, look, full disclaimer, I haven't watched Stanford a ton these past couple of years since their program has really started to go south. But I remember what Stanford was when they were good. And what Stanford was when they were really good was a just a downhill running football team, a physical running attack, and they were going to play good defense. I'm going to guess that that philosophy hasn't really changed all that much, even though they're not getting the same caliber of players that they've had in the past. Why is that important? Well, for the obvious, what has given Lincoln Riley teams the most difficulties in the past? It's exactly that. Right. Someone who wants to control the pace of the game, not let you play at your pace, a physical running attack, but someone who can play really good defense as well, a team that could effectively hit you in the mouth. Again, I haven't watched a ton of Stanford over the past couple of years. There hasn't been a big reason to watch Stanford over yeah, the past couple of years. But David Shaw didn't just change his philosophy right. on but how to But that philosophy football. has worked really well against Lincoln Riley teams in the past. And this is not one of the banner Lincoln Riley teams that he's had here recently. So yeah. I, I think that this matchup is going to be a lot more fascinating than maybe some people nationally think. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. What are your What are your thoughts as we kind of look around the country? I know the obvious is, uh, you know, that Bama-Texas uh, uh, massacre that's uh, scheduled, but – uh, what about the fighting Spencer Rattlers taking on the Hogs? I think that could be an interesting yeah, matchup. Yeah, Jaden he, Hazelwood and Spencer Rattler uh, meeting again. You talk about a program that has some momentum right now. Now to their standard, and right, it's Arkansas. 
And, and I, I think you could say South Carolina does too. I think South Carolina's got a top 15 recruiting class right now. But Arkansas and what they did last year and the win over Cincinnati, Arkansas's feeling pretty good about themselves. And I think that they should. I, I, I really like what Sam Pittman has built there. I think they're going to handle South Carolina tomorrow. Um, Spencer Rattler does not have a great offensive line. And he did not have a great start to the season last week with those two interceptions. I'd be very surprised if South Carolina were to win this football game tomorrow against the Hogs in Fayetteville. I'd, I'd be I'd be really surprised. Yeah, I'm just I'm a really big Shane Beamer guy. Uh, so even if Spencer would not have transferred uh, to South Carolina with with Austin Stogner, I still would have uh, still probably would have kept an eye on this one just because. Uh, just because I really like Shane Beamer, really liked him when he was here, and a lot of the players did too. I, I mean, I know of at least one player that tried to transfer to South Carolina immediately when Shane took the job, and Shane said, you know what, I don't want to burn any bridges with Oklahoma. That's not the right thing to do. Why don't you go ahead and stay at Oklahoma, stick it out at Oklahoma. Uh, that, that That's a guy that I can continue to root for when I hear stories like that. Yeah, John and Blanchard says Baylor at BYU is going to be a good one. I agree, and the news today, and I thought Baylor was going to win this game anyway, but BYU's two best receivers are out for this football game. That's a massive blow to an offense that's going to need all hands on deck against that Baylor defense. Yeah, Dave Aranda doesn't screw around when it comes to that side of the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not a conference pride guy. Uh, I want all of our conference rivals to lose uh, and lose often. Um, but, yeah, I see I see Baylor getting the win here. And it's going to be on late, so come by Yo Pablo yeah. post game and watch it with us while we're on the radio. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that game's like at 9.15. Yeah, yeah. The post game show is just going to be getting – I mean, it'll uh, – the, the football game have, will have already started by the time that we're on air. Oh, man, it's going to be a uh, – Late night for us tomorrow hey. night at Yopalba. Hey. I, hey, I'm not gonna play. There's nowhere else in the world that I would rather be than uh, on campus corner in Norman after a football game on a Saturday. No other place. Yeah, no other place. I'd Absolutely. Rather be. I don't care. Which, by the way, we're gonna have the same uh, pregame setup as we did last week. Travis and I, we will be in the Hertz Donut parking lot from three to five tomorrow. So come by and see us. We're gonna have more koozies. I'm going to bring some ref T-shirts to give away. Um, we will have Toby and Teddy on from 2 to 3, and then Parker will be there from noon to 2 with five-star quarterback Jackson Arnold. And he also has – Hayden Green and Heath Ozida joining him yeah. as well. So come by the parking lot, hang out with us. It's not going to be too unbearably hot at around noon at that point, um, but come in, hang out, walk around with us, uh, get some koozies, get some T-shirts, everything like that, and – Get to see the the mountains of men that that Heath and Caden are, and uh, see QB one. Maybe we'll even see Maddie McMillan at uh, Yo Pablo after the game. I don't know. That's a hope of mine. Man, what be what successful. are the odds? I don't really care about covering the thirty three. That's what I really care about. There tomorrow, you go. Seeing Maddie. All right, uh, we'll take a timeout. The rush rolls on next. We're on the ref. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number one of the rush on a football Friday. CavensConstruction.com. Got an emergency repair that you need help with? CavensConstruction.com. They can help you out with 
any emergency repairs, whether it's at your home or your office building. We are at a great place today, Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. It's Bob Stoops' birthday. The Bob Stoops Golf Tournament is out there. And uh, we uh, kind of really supporting the Bob Stoops Champions Foundation, which was established by the head coach himself back in 2001. And it has grown, it has grown, it has grown. I'm going to tell you about ways that you can help out with the uh, Champions Foundation as the show rolls on. Uh, actually, contributions can be made uh, on their website. Just check out hbcchampionsfoundation.com. That's HBC, just like head ball coach, championsfoundation.com, and to learn more about how you can uh, get involved with the Champions Foundation. Text line says, uh, oh, wow, I didn't get a T-shirt last week. Maybe I haven't been a listener long enough. By the way, the guy next to me at the game last week had a 16-ouncer that was naked, so I gave him a koozie, compliments of the ref. Well, the reason why you didn't get a T-shirt is because we had so many people come by the ref, uh, the K-Ref Army tailgate last week that we ran out of T-shirts really quick. We gave out over 1,200 koozies. But we are restocked this week, Travis Davidson, and we are ready to give out more koozies to all of the ref army. Yeah, and 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 that's why you got to get there, uh, get there early, man. You know, we uh, these are hot commodities. You know, people want these things for sure. So, um, when you know, come by, see uh, um, see the, the the folks over at Balfour, and then hang out with us in the parking lot, and hang out with Jackson Arnold and Heath Ozida, Caden Green, Parker Thune. All these guys will be out there. You'll you'll get your swag. You know, we all seem to be on the same page outside of Greg from Lawton, oh, who Greg. thinks that, uh, call me crazy, maybe Texas makes a run tomorrow. I don't know. But we all, for the most part, think that the Bama-Texas game is going to go a certain way, which would mean that Quinn Ewers has a really, really rough start in a really rough afternoon. Is he going to get a pass if he plays poorly tomorrow? Or are some people nationally going to say, you know what, he really hasn't proved anything at the level that we give him credit for. I, I almost tend to think that people are going to give him a pass just because Alabama's so good, the offensive line for Texas is so bad. It's not his fault. Te- Texas really, from a narrative perspective, is in a no-lose situation here. They can be beaten and bloodied by Nick Saban and the Tide, and they're going to say, well, you know, what did you expect? You know, first-year quarterback, really talented quarterback, super talented quarterback, but, you know, just – First year, you know, they, they got all these freshmen. They're really on the come up. They've been rebuilding for a decade, over a decade. But, you know, this Texas team, you know, the best days are still ahead of them. I mean, they're, they're going to Texas, you get that pass every time. Yeah, and they'll probably get it tomorrow. There is a moral victory situation in here for Texas, as crap as I think that that is. Um, if they lose by 10 points tomorrow, or like we talked about in the first hour, if they cover the 20, then people say, oh, that was a pretty respectable showing from Texas yesterday. Now, that was not bad. Nice little showing from UT. Yeah, uh, it's, whatever. again, an, an, a no-loss situation. But, again, where you were talking earlier is, what what's their mentality going into this game? You have to believe that you're going to win the game. Do you think that there are actual Texas players in the locker room going, well, this is all we have to do is this. But the problem is this doesn't exist. I just don't think that there's an air of confidence. Now, the message boards say one thing, but the message board, much like social media, is not real life most of the time, right? Like the real feeling around the fan base in Austin, and I would, I got to guess the real feeling around the team in Austin as well is one of there's not a true belief 
that they can win this game. There's a hope that they might win this game, Travis. But hoping and believing are two completely different things, and I don't think Texas genuinely believes. They genuinely think that they can actually win this game tomorrow or keep it close. There, in Texas may go down. They may go down and score on the uh, first possession of the game. But we see that all the time. Teams that are pretty good offensively, they go down the field on their scripted plays and they score first and people say, uh-oh, Texas came to play today. It's not about the first drive. Don't don't come up with your opinion of the game if Texas goes and scores on the first drive. Adjustments will be made. It is a long football game. I don't care if Texas goes down and gets seven on their first drive. I still think Bama is going to make some adjustments, and they will show that they're they're the better football team. Yeah, and keep in mind, uh, think all the way back to ancient history, 2019, uh, when Texas hosted the eventual national champion and one of the best teams of all time, uh, that Joe Burrow LSU team. Now, they were in that game. They only lost by seven. There were some onside kicks late. I mean, that, that was a close game. So everybody nationally, oh, man, Texas, who was ranked top ten at the time, was, oh, man, that's going to put together a big year. That LSU team's pretty crazy. That's a close loss. Well, all Texas uh, did was then lose to Oklahoma, then lose to TCU, then lose to Iowa State, then lose to Baylor, um, and finish the season unranked at 8-5. and five. Texas could lose this game by 69 points, and Longhorn fans would find a way to make it a moral victory, says the text line. This text says Ewers is much slower than Spencer Rattler. He's in trouble tomorrow. 3-1-0, Bama 66, Texas 14, although I may be giving Texas too much credit. Friday rush rolls on next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless fans.